Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I did the story not so long ago about how it's your God-given right to flip somebody off in Canada. And that's been confirmed by the courts. Well, <sighs> this just seems like a theme all of a sudden. But Ken sent me notes and Steve, check it out. A, a similar type of ruling out of an American court. From Reason.com, J.D. Tassil wrote this. Let mass holes be mass holes, says Bay State's High Court. Massachusetts residents have a reputation for an abrasive style that sometimes earns them the nickname mass holes among their neighbors. Now, not everyone, of course, and that's just kind of a joke, but they can be abrasive when traveling. They can be abrasive with one another. And courtesy of a free speech affirming decision issued this week by the state's Supreme Judicial Court, they're legally protected when being abrasive with government officials. This is a win for the value of speech rights, even when politicians don't like how they're exercised. Keep in mind that one of the most basic rights we have in this country is the right of free speech, but also the right to petition the government. And petition the government doesn't mean it has to actually be a petition in the sense that we all get together and sign a piece of paper. It means that you're allowed to go to the government and, and let the government know what you're thinking, to tell them what you want, uh, and, and those sorts of things. And so if people in power try to stifle you when you're talking to them, that's obviously a problem. And this court got that. So although civility, of course, is to be encouraged, it cannot be required regarding the content of what may be said in a public comment session of a governmental meeting without violating uh, articles of the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights, which provide for a robust protection of public criticism of governmental actions and officials. And that's a quote from the ruling that came down just a couple days ago. The case was brought by plaintiffs, uh, including a, a man who was cut off and threatened with physical expulsion from a Southborough Board of Selectmen meeting in 2018. Uh, that person had vigorously spoken up, comparing an official to Hitler at one point, to object to open meeting law violations and other excesses and ruffle the feathers of the elected government. They invoked a public comment policy requiring civility at such meetings to muzzle their critics. So they said that from now on, everyone here has got to be civil. And of course, how do you define civility? So the plaintiffs sued to have the policy declared unconstitutional, and they prevailed in a decision that generously cites the works of John Adams and Samuel Adams, drawing on the often vicious disputes of the revolutionary period. The decision has implications for contemporary government officials who frequently object to the strong language in which they're being criticized. In the lawsuit, the plaintiff initially cited both federal and state constitutional objections to the civility code before settling on Massachusetts's own protections. So that, of course, goes back to the nation's founders with some of the language therein. As the text of Article 19, which was drafted by John Adams with assistance from his cousin Samuel Adams, along with its illuminating constitutional history, is directly applicable and dispositive of the claims here. We focus on Article 19 first, says the judge who authored the opinion. As written, this provision expressly envisions a politically active and engaged, even aggrieved and 
angry populace. It's okay to be upset and it's okay to vent. That's my, my editorializing there at the end there. Article 19 reads, the people have a right in an orderly and peaceable manner to assemble, to consult upon the common good, give instructions to the representatives and to request of the legislative body by the way of addresses, petitions, or remonstrances, redress of the wrongs done them and of the grievances they suffer. Officials in Southboro and elsewhere took orderly and peaceable as license to enforce good manners on angry constituents. But that's not what the article means, the court said. The text, history, and case law surrounding the article provide for the fullest and freest discussion of public matters, including protection of fierce criticism of governmental action and actors, so long as that criticism is done in a peaceable and orderly manner and is consistent with time, place, and manner restrictions. Peaceable and orderly is not the same as respectful and courteous. There is nothing respectful or courteous about the public assemblies of the revolutionary period. There was also much that was rude and personal, especially when it was directed at the representatives of the king and the king himself. (laughs) So think back to how the colonists addressed the king's representatives. Okay? And that's what the people who drafted these documents were thinking of when they said, we've got the right to do that. John and Samuel Adams were known for expressing strong opinions and left a record of their sentiments on the meaning of Article 19. Their intention was not to permit officials to regulate what people said, but to let them restrain mayhem while they said it. That means Southborough's civility code went too far. The content sought to be prohibited, discourteous, rude, disrespectful, or personal speech about government officials and government actions is clearly protected by Article 19, and thus the prohibition is impermissible. In sum, the town's civility code is contradicted by the letter and the purpose of Article 19. Because it sought to regulate the content of the speech, the case also implicated Article 16, which is the counterpart in the state document to the federal constitution's Bill of Rights First Amendment. There is no question that the civility code is directed at political speech as it regulates speech in a public comment section of a meeting of the board, and it is content-based as it requires us to examine what was said, added the court, which concluded that the code impermissibly regulated speech and was neither necessary nor narrowly drawn. Speech that politely praises public officials or their actions is allowed by the policy, but speech that rudely or disrespectfully criticizes public officials or their actions is not. This constitutes viewpoint discrimination. So, of course, the court also found that then-selectman, whom one of these people compared to Hitler, and who silenced her and threatened expulsion, is not entitled to qualified immunity for the violation of her rights. Said the court, the contours of the rights are sufficiently clear, and a reasonable public official would understand that this response to the exercise of those rights was unlawful, which makes that selectman, former selectman, potentially liable under the Massachusetts Civil Rights Act. So keep in mind that um, this does not mean that we tolerate violence. John and Samuel Adams wanted political debates to be peaceable and orderly, but that's not the same as nice, okay? So there's a little bit more to that, 
but I'm going to stop there. And here's the thing. Obviously, there would be things that would go too far. So let's suppose that a thousand people showed up at a meeting and said, we all want to speak. I can see the committee or whatever the body is saying, well, we have to limit some of you by time, meaning you only get two minutes to speak or five minutes to speak or 10 minutes, to speak, whatever it is, to give everyone a chance to speak. Obviously, they could limit it to time. But when they start talking about what you are allowed to say versus what you're not allowed to say, they're talking about the content of your speech. And that is a problem. Now, again, there's probably things, and I can think of a few, that you wouldn't be allowed to say. And, you know, uh, for instance, uh, if you threatened to kill somebody who was on the panel that you're talking to, that would probably be beyond the, you know, the realm of political speech. But if you got up there and said, I disagree with your opinion, I think you're a ninny. (laughs) That statement contains two portions. One is you're expressing the fact that you disagree with their opinion. And number two is you're calling them a name. But guess what? Sticks and stones, right? And that's, that's, that's the whole point. Keeping it on the level of verbal communication, you're fine. When you start throwing the sticks and stones, that's where you probably cross the line. But here it's the Massachusetts highest court saying that you can, especially when speaking to politicians in their role as government officials, you've got the right to speak your mind and they cannot limit you and say, oh, you have to come here. If you're going to speak, you got to be nice about it and you can't say the following things. No, (laughs) no. And there was a story out of Michigan recently. The mayor of a small town just got in trouble. And she got in trouble legally for something else. But in the background of the story, they say, oh, by the way, this is the mayor of the town who had a recent city council meeting was uh, criticizing people who criticized her and indicating that she was going to try to put a stop to it, put a stop to it. And um, if you're in government in an elected position as an elected official and you want to put a stop to people criticizing you, uh, you don't quite get what's going on here. And so I've had people we've discussed this with before. Uh, I've mentioned before that although I like talking about court cases and I am an attorney, I have zero desire to be a judge. And people say, well, why not? That seems like it'd be a, a, an easy job for you. <laughs> Show up at 10 o'clock, work till 3 o'clock, four days a week, and uh, have your clerk tell everyone else that you're doing research back there when you're actually out golfing. You know, I mean, that's what some judges do. And it seems like a great gig, especially considering how well it pays. But to be a judge in Michigan at the state level, you get elected. You're a politician. You got to run for office. And I see what happens to people who run for office. I'm not talking about them changing. Don't go changing. No, I'm talking about the fact that when you run a campaign, people will come out and attack you. doesn't matter which side you're on. doesn't matter what you stand for, what you stand against. No. The political process itself is ugly. And I just don't want to be a part of that. But people who choose to become politicians and get elected to an official position and they have a job where they meet and every time they meet, the public's allowed to come in and and tell them what they think. Guess what? You're going to get an earful. You are. That's part of the job. Okay? Just, just... 
sit down, smile, let them speak, thank them for, for communicating, and say, okay, who's next? And yeah, you're, you're going to take a, 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 a figurative beating, possibly every single week. And by the way, keep in mind that the person is screaming at you this week, if you made them happy, their counterpart on the other side of the aisle will be screaming at you next week. That's just part of the job. So deal with it. And if you can't deal with the tasks that come up as part of your job, maybe you are in the wrong job. Maybe you are. So there you go. But it's a great article from Reason.com. Ken sent it to me. J.D. Tassil wrote it. Let mass holes be mass holes, says Bay State's High Court. Questions, comments, put them below. Those will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. I wish I could, but I don't want to.